Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades on five continents, culminated his ministry with a 21-year, book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called a life study. This life study is the basis of our program today, which includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's life study. Hezekiah, one of the top kings of Judah, is a breath of fresh air to readers of the Bible, and today we're going to spend our entire life study from Chronicles enjoying this fresh air. This is Matt Miller filling in for Chris Wilde, and Bob Dankers joined me for today's sweet program with Hezekiah. Bob, thanks for coming into the studio today. It's my pleasure, Matt. Bob, this is really a great program, and I'm really encouraged and inspired. I call it a sweet program, a program of fresh air. And the reason for that is because it's with Hezekiah, we see so many positive things. We see recovery, we see restoration, and the result of that is bringing in revival to God's people. Uh, What a contrast to the black situation there in Hezekiah's day. Yes, a number of the kings before Hezekiah had really forsaken God and his, uh, the law that was given by Moses, and they had even forsaken the worship of God. And the situation among the people of Israel, including Judah at that time, had become very much degraded. It was depressed. It was dark. You could say it was even dead as far as God is concerned, spiritually, that is. But then we see Hezekiah becomes the king, and he brings in a recovery, a restoration. He brings the whole situation back to the beginning, the way God ordained it in the very beginning. And as an issue of this recovery, we see a revival among God's people. Uh, You might say they became full of joy and full of life, and they were, again, a vital people. They were one with God, and they were on the earth living to carry out God's purpose. This is the kind of revival and recovery that we need today. Well, if you're listening to this program right now and you're experiencing the three D's that Bob just mentioned, depression, darkness, and death, then you'll want to stay with us for the next half an hour because we're going to cover three R's, which are much more encouraging. Those are recovery, restoration, and revival. Let's go to Witness Lee for our life study from December 26th, 1994. Now we come to the top good one, Hezekiah. Nearly no others of the kings were so good as he was. But in with him, there is a hidden defect, not covered in the chronicle, but it is exposed in the kings and in Isaiah. But now, listen, he restored the house of Jehovah. This was a big thing. And this indicates that the temple of Jehovah was altogether devastated. So, here's one of the kings restored the devastated temple and brought out impurity. What are these? These are things related to idol worship. The house of God, the temple of God, was the place for his elect to worship God 
But before Hezekiah came into his reign, Israelites putting a lot of idols into the temple. So here, the Bible calls it the impurity. He brought out impurity, that means the idols, from the holy place. Too great, right? He and the leaders of the city worship God in the house of Jehovah. This indicates the temple of God was left as idol. So Hezekiah took the lead with the leaders of the city to worship God in the house of Jehovah and offer the burnt offering and the sin offering to God with the praising of God by the instruments made by David. The burnt offering, that is for God's satisfaction. And then the sin offering, and this is for their forgiveness of their sins. He charged the assembly of the people to offer sacrifices and send giving offerings to God and all the people did it with rejoicing over what God had prepared for them. This was a great thing. A big restoration. A big revival. Well, Bob, we start out our program with a big restoration and a big revival. And I'm going to let you get into that. But before we do, let me give a specific reference in Kings and Isaiah to the hidden defect that Witness Lee mentioned at the beginning, in case some of the listeners want to get into that. It's Second Kings chapter 20, verses 1 through 19, and Isaiah chapter 39. That talks about, in detail, the hidden defect. But in Chronicles, it doesn't go into that kind of detail. So in Chronicles, we're going to get into the big revival and the big restoration. So, Bob... The positive side. Oh, it's so positive, Matt. As you can see from reading the books of Chronicles, the situation among Israel had degraded to a very great extent. When Hezekiah began the restoration of the temple, he had to charge the priests and the Levites to take out of the temple all the impurity and uncleanness. And this means all the idols. So this means that the people of God had actually degraded to such an extent that they had set up idols in the temple, which really was the place where they should be worshiping the real and true God. Instead, they worshiped idols. And this was a tremendous degradation. I would say if we could apply that to ourselves, since we are God's people today, God's enemy is always trying to put in our heart some object of love or worship other than God. When we are distracted from the Lord Jesus, from our pure love to the Lord as a virgin, and we are loving other things, in a sense, this is a filling of the temple, God's dwelling place with idols. Well, even in Colossians, doesn't it mention that covetousness is idolatry? That's right. When we want things other than the Lord, that's an idol. Yes. So in a sense, this is a picture of what can happen to God. God's New Testament people when they begin to love and pursue and seek after things other than Christ. So we see this in picture form in the Old Testament. Here the temple 
was full of idols. So the first thing they had to do was to take out all those impure things. And that also shows what we need to do by the Lord's mercy and grace. We need to be restored. We need to have our heart restored. And all the things, the substitutes for Christ need to be removed out of us so that Christ is our sole object of love and our only object of worship. So, and then after all these things were removed, then the people began to offer the offerings to God according to the law of Moses. They offered the burnt offering, which is an offering for God's satisfaction. They offered the sin offering, which is an offering for man's, the forgiveness of the sins of God's people. And then they also recovered the praising praising. With this kind of restoration, it was so positive among the people of Israel that they began to praise the Lord with the instruments that were made by David. So you can see this is the beginning of a great revival and a restoration and a recovery of God's degraded elect. That is really encouraging. Bob, I neglected to give the portion we're covering today. It's actually Second Chronicles chapter 29 all the way through chapter 32. And the next section we're going to go to is a recovering of the Passover. And I want to read chapter 30, verse 1. And Hezekiah sent word to all Israel and Judah, and also wrote letters to Ephraim and Manasseh, telling them to come to the house of Jehovah in Jerusalem to hold the Passover to Jehovah, the God of Israel. A big thing here to recover the Passover. It's hard to believe that such an important celebration to the people of Israel, to Judah, could be dropped, yet they had done that. That's right. Now Hezekiah comes in to recover it, a big recovery. So let's go to Witness Lee for the next section. Hezekiah recovered the Passover. Recovered, that means it was lost. The Passover was lost. No people would keep it. So he recovered Passover, degraded children of Israel, had not held the Passover for a long time. They were so degraded, even not to have, just like today, even not to have the long table. Hezekiah recovered it by sending letters to all Israel, not only to Judah, not only to two tribes, but to all the twelve tribes, to all the people of Israel and Judah in order, to keep the oneness of all God's elect. At that time, God's elect, Israel, was divided. Now, he, Hezekiah, tried the best to unite them by inviting them all to come to the Passover. He asked all the people of Israel and Judah to come to Jerusalem, where the house of God was, to hold the Passover in order to remind them to keep the one unique ground of the worship of God. He did the best thing. This is what pleases the heart of God. So the hand of God was under the people of Judah, giving them one heart to perform the commandment of Hezekiah and by the word of Jehovah. A very good assembly gathered at Jerusalem to hold a feast of a bride 
you know, this bread is the continuation of Passover feast. Passover only one day. And the unleavened bread lasted seven days in the second month. The children of Israel at Jerusalem held the feast of unleavened bread for seven days with great rejoicing and praising. And they repeated it with joy for another seven days. Let me say with you, have you ever repeated the Lord's table on Monday? <laughs> My goodness, it was too good. My goodness, it was too good. This is a picture of the Lord's table. On the one hand, you see such a strong recovery here. On the other hand, it's hard to imagine not having a Passover. In today's terms, that would mean similarly, like Witness Lee just said, to not have a Lord's Table meeting. Can you imagine a church today without a Lord's Table meeting? That's right, Matt. This is a serious thing for the children of Israel not to hold the Passover. You know, just before he was crucified, he had the last Passover with his disciples. And on the same night, right after they finished the Passover, the Lord established his table with the bread and with the cup and the wine. And this was, the Lord said, that that the disciples should do this in remembrance of him. They should break the bread. They should drink the cup until he comes. So this means the Lord wants us to have the Lord's table on a regular basis until he comes to remember him, to enjoy him, and to rejoice in the fact that he has made us all one as his one body. So when Hezekiah sent out the letters to invite the people to come to Jerusalem to hold the Passover, he didn't limit his sending out to Judah alone. He sent it to all the people of Israel, including those in the northern kingdom of Israel, because he wanted to turn their hearts back to God, and he wanted them to come to Jerusalem, which is the place God had chosen for all these feasts, and he wanted them to be reunited, to be one people. So some of the ones from Israel, the kingdom of Israel, actually received this invitation in a positive way, and they came. And this kind of keeping of the Passover, which symbolizes our keeping of the Lord's table in the oneness of God's people, brought in a condition of joy and rejoicing among the people. It was so so joyful, so wonderful among them that they decided to repeat the Feast of Unleavened Bread for another week. It was so good. The situation was so good. This really is a picture of what we would enjoy if we would all come back to the oneness of God's people in the New Testament, the oneness of the body of Christ, and partake of the Lord's table in the situation and condition of oneness. I mean, the joy is too wonderful. And the result might be the same as it was then. You just want to keep doing it for another week. Just want to keep enjoying the Lord together. That's right. Quite a good picture, Bob. Let's go on to the final portion here today. And before we do, I want to read the verses that lead up to it. It's chapter 30, verse 26 through chapter 31, verse 2. And there was great rejoicing in Jerusalem, for since the days of Solomon, the son of David, the king of Israel, there had not been the like in Jerusalem. 
Then the Levitical priests rose up and blessed the people, and their voice was heard, and their prayer went up to his sanctuary to heaven. And when all this was finished, all Israel, who were found in the cities of Judah, went out and broke down the pillars, and hewed down the Asherahs, and pulled down the high places, and the altars out of all Judah and Benjamin, and in Ephraim and Manasseh, until they destroyed them all. And all the children of Israel returned to their cities, each man to his own possessions. And Hezekiah appointed the divisions of the priests and the Levites by their divisions, each of the priests and the Levites according to his service, for the burnt offering and the peace offering, to minister and give thanks and praise in the gates of the temple of Jehovah. Very encouraging. Let's go to the final portion with Witness Lee. When all this was finished, all Israel in the cities of Judah went out to smash the pillars. What was wrong with the pillars? Because these are the idols. Nearly every pillar is an idol. Hudon, the Asherah, the big idol, and Pudon, the high priests, high priests were built for the worship of the idols, and the altars out of all Judah, Benjamin, Ephraim, and Manasseh. You think how happy God would be. He surely did something to please God to the uttermost. He also commanded the people who dwell in Jerusalem to give the portion for the praise and Levites. That means to support the priests and the Levites according to their daily necessities. And this indicates before this time the need of the priests and Levites were very much neglected. And the children of Israel did it in abundance for the priests and Levites. They do the service and people take the responsibility of supporting them. And he did what was good, upright, and faithful before Jehovah his God with all his heart, and he prospered. Surely, such a person should prosper. He built a defense against the Assyrians, trusted in God, and encouraged his people to do so by saying, Be strong and be bold. Do not be afraid or dismayed because of the king of Assyria. For there is someone greater with us than with him. With him is an arm of flesh, but with us is Jehovah our God to help us and to fight our battle. This was his faith. His trust. Very good. There is no mention of any shortcomings of this king. But even he was not that perfect. Deep within him, still something remained there for his own interest and for his own desire. 
Be strong and be bold. Do not be afraid or dismayed because of the king of Assyria, for there is someone greater within us than with him. What a strong word, Bob. And and this is just the concluding word related to the army. What an encouragement Hezekiah had for the people of Judah as they were surrounded and being intimidated by all the threats of this King Sennacherib of Assyria. That's right. Judah was threatened by the king of Assyria. In fact, the king of Assyria had come to attack the kingdom of Judah with his massive army. And he was virtually at the door, so to speak. He was ready to attack them. And this great recovery took place. The people continued after taking the Passover. They continued by tearing down all the idols and pulling down the high places where the idols were worshipped and also destroying all the altars that were used in the idol worship. And then, after that, they began to bring their tithes, which were used to support the priests and the Levites, who were the full-time serving ones in the house of God. Up to that time, the material supply for these serving ones had been neglected but now it was recovered. This was another great sign of their being revived and recovered. They began to take care of the needs of those who served among them full time. That's a real sign of a a revival. a sign of revival. When the church is healthy, when the church is full of life, then the saints, the brothers and sisters who have jobs, will give to support the ones who serve full-time. It's just something normal. It's a sign of vitality among God's people. And this happened here in the Old Testament picture here with Hezekiah. And then, uh, as you pointed out, another sign of revival was that they trusted in God in fighting for them against their enemies. This was a great sign that they were recovered back to God. They didn't trust in their own strength. They trusted in the Lord to fight their battles for them. And that he did. If we continue reading on, we see that God sent an angel to destroy a great part of Sennacherib's army. And then when he went back to Assyria, he was murdered in the temple of his own idols. So God really fought for the people. But before that, the people had been recovered to such an extent that they put their trust in the Lord. This is a very, very wonderful and positive situation. Tearing down of the idols, tearing down of the pillars, the things that were idols and distractions, restoring the service, restoring the support of the serving ones, and trusting in God in the midst of an intimidating attack from the enemy without. What a wonderful revival. I I said at the beginning, the three R's, we were going to see recovery, restoration, resulting in a revival. And I think what a glorious picture of a revival we see here at the end. That's right, Matt. And we need to apply this to ourselves. You know, this is a picture of the church and the fact that the church can become degraded, just as Israel was degraded and has become degraded. If we're really honest and we look at the whole situation of the church, we see things that are not so positive. But We don't want to remain in a degraded situation. We want to be recovered. We want to be recovered from our idols. We don't want to have any idols to replace the Lord. And we want to be recovered to keep the Lord's table, to remember the Lord in a proper way. And we want to be recovered to the oneness of God's people, apart from any kind of division. This is a recovery that we would like to see today among God's people. And the Lord is carrying out such a recovery even on this earth today. 
I really hope and pray, Bob, that many of our listeners today will have that very response and result, and they'll hear an echo in their heart to everything that they've heard today in this radio program and apply it to their own situation. Well, thanks for joining me. The time has run out. Uh, I hope you'll be back again for another program this week. I'd love to come back, Matt. And uh, we hope you'll be back as well as we finish the life study of Chronicles. There's a few more programs to come before we move on to our next book. The phone number, if you'd like to get the printed material, we couldn't cover everything, so you really need to get the material to get into this in a deeper way, is 888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 1-888-543-3788. On behalf of Bob Danker, this is Matt Miller. Thank you for listening. The Gospel of John unveils the New Testament reality of the types of Christ conveyed in the Old Testament tabernacle and offerings. The reality of the five main offerings in Leviticus serve as the examples in the first 12 chapters of John, and in chapters 13 through 17, the Gospel of John unveils the New Testament reality of the type of the tabernacle. The fulfillment of the tabernacle and the offerings in the writings of John is now available Get your copy today by calling 1-800-549-5164.